Hi, I'm Denise Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dimensions. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frequently frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Monica. Hi, Dr. Denise. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for asking. Um, today, uh, we want to talk about something that uh, has been in the back of my mind for a while. It's dementia and heredity. Is getting Alzheimer's or dementia, can you get that from your parents or loved one that may have it? And the reason, obviously, I'm concerned, our listeners know that both of my parents um, suffered with the disorder, and it's always uh, a little worrisome to me, wondering if I should be concerned about um, getting Alzheimer's or dementia. So my first question is, can dementia be passed down through your family? Yes. There are about 30 different genes that are associated with Alzheimer's. The most commonly researched gene is APOE4. You have to have two copies of APOE4 to increase your susceptibility to developing Alzheimer's. There are other genes that are associated with Alzheimer's, but they have not been as widely studied and certainly not studied enough so that we can talk about their attribution. On the other hand, the other dementias that we've talked about before, the vascular dementia, the Parkinson's dementia, the alcoholic encephalopathy, those in and of themselves are not generally thought of as genetic predispositions. Those are environmental and lifestyle-influenced dementias. So if you had a relative who had strokes and lots of them, it's not likely that that's a genetic component that's more of a lifestyle problem or risk factor, if you will. So we talked about, you know, like vascular dementia, and that's the one that caused by strokes and high blood pressure and that type of thing. So what you're saying is you're more predisposed to the stroke aspect and the high blood pressure aspect, inheriting that from your loved one as opposed to the dementia. Right, because that's something that you determine. Your lifestyle, your lifestyle habits influence that. Let me ask you this. Um, we've talked about this in the past, about um, having Alzheimer's. And the, the, one of the most important risk factors is age. You know, it's more common if you're in your late 70s and 80s. Um, to have Alzheimer's or dementia. But if someone develops it, for example, if they're less than 60 years old, um, you know, and in their 60s, is it true that there's a greater chance that it can pass on or was inherited if you get early onset 
Alzheimer's or dementia? Yes. So people who develop Alzheimer's type dementia before the age of 65, and there is no cardiovascular component or risk factor, we, and they have all the pathologies that are associated with Alzheimer's, that early onset Alzheimer's is associated with genetic mutations. There's a study, a genetic study involving a family here in Georgia called the Chastain family, whereby a lot of the relatives in that family develop Alzheimer's before the age of 65. There's a companion study, which is really where we learned of this, of a family in Colombia, where a lot of the people, people as young as 35, develop Columbia, Alzheimer's. Columbia, as in Colombia, the, the country. The country, South America. South America. But the important piece is there's a genetic mutation that makes people in this family susceptible to developing Alzheimer's. So that genetic mutation, is that the APOE3 or APOE4 that you were talking about? They, they are probably heterozygous for APOE4, but they may have other genes that are also involved in that particular family. So what is familial Alzheimer's disease? You inherit a gene from your parents that makes you more likely to have Alzheimer's. That is familial. But when we say familial, it's not just one person, it's more than one person across the generations. It might be your great-grandparents, your grandparents, and your parents. You're gonna see it in every generation. That makes it familial, just like cancer, colon cancer, or breast cancer. Okay, all right. Now, if someone, say our age, is concerned and are there genetic tests they can get to get some answers? If you are a person who is at risk, who has a family member who has a documented history of Alzheimer's and they have the genes that predispose them to that, yes, there is genetic testing that can be done. But what you need to understand and appreciate is that your insurance will not cover that. Oh. It is, I'm assuming it's expensive. Yes. Genetic testing is generally not something that is covered by our health insurance. How expensive is it? Um, several thousand dollars. Wow. Much like the super PET scans that we use in research, they are, uh, the PET scans for diagnosing Alzheimer's eliminate the need for lumbar punctures and neuropsych testing because you can see the Alzheimer's pathology with a special radio tracer. But those radio images, those particular specialized x-rays are greater than $6,000 for each one. And Medicare, which is the primary insurer for people over the age of 65, does not cover that. Private insurance does not cover that either. Hmm. That's why it's primarily a research tool. So you could become part of a research study or a clinical trial that we talked about in one of our last discussions. Are there clinical trials out there that people may be able to join to get these tests? Yes, we have them at um, our university, but there are like about 28 different, almost 30 different Alzheimer's disease research centers around the country where you can participate in Alzheimer's research 
depending upon what studies the center offers, you are most likely going to have genetic studies that are, it's blood work that's done. Um, there are special imaging studies with the super PET scanners that I just talked about that may be available at the different Alzheimer's disease research centers around the country. Uh, for example, the Mayo Clinic Jacksonville, the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Mayo Clinic in Arizona are all Alzheimer's disease research centers, as is Rush University in Chicago, Emory University here in, in Atlanta, um, University of California, Los Angeles, Boston University, Harvard University. Those are all research centers that have the capability of doing genetic testing and specialized x-ray tests for Alzheimer's type dementia. And does it take a long time to get the results back? How does that work? Well, when you participate in research, there is some information that the researcher will share with you and some information the researcher may not share with you. So when you go into a research study, you're basically going in there for the purposes of study and what they find is not going to be immediately or personally available to you. Over time, the results of the studies will be revealed or dis disseminated. That's what we say in research. The results will be disseminated. But for a lot of the studies, like the studies that we have here or at Weill Cornell Medical Center, let's just say you um, complete a questionnaire that is like a lifestyle questionnaire that talks about your diet, Harry habits, your exercise habits, and your sleep habits. Um, we may be able to tell you what some of your risk factors are for Alzheimer's and other dementias based on those questionnaires, but until we do specific diagnostic testing, we can't tell you whether you actually have some of those risk factors or not. So when you engage in research with the idea of like, I'm going to be in this research study, they're going to do a PET scan and they're going to give me the results. Not necessarily. So basically that's the difference between paying for it yourself and being a part of a clinical trial or research study. Obviously, if you spend the thousands and you're able to spend the thousands of dollars to, um, for an individual assessment, you would get the results, you know, that you want to hear and you would be told what your results were personally. Let me ask you this. If someone is able to pay the money to get the genetic tests um, and you get the answer that you have the gene, what should you do and what can you do? As of this moment, there's no definitive interventional treatment for Alzheimer's. There's no preventative treatment for Alzheimer's. There is evidence to show that modifying and changing your lifestyle to prevent those risk factors that lead to vascular dementia may prevent you from getting a dementia, but there's nothing that we definitively know that can disrupt or stop the onset of Alzheimer's. There are people who have the pathology of Alzheimer's in their brain upon autopsy, but in life they had no evidence of having brain dysfunction or confusion. They weren't demented.
but they had all of the Alzheimer's pathology. On the other hand, there are people who had Alzheimer's clinically, but didn't have a lot of the pathology that was associated with it. They may not have had the genes. So those of us who, you know, may have loved ones that have the disorder and we're concerned about, you know, forgetting things, forgetting names, maybe sometimes forgetting where we're going when we're driving. Um, we just have to just be hopeful. We have to continue to take care of our health and just not be concerned about the possibility of inheriting the disease because there's really nothing you can do about it. That would be an accurate assessment. I think that um, if you are caring for somebody like you are, like I am, who has cognitive dysfunction, you have to think about what kind of dementia they have. I know, for example, that my mother had a number of strokes. And so for years, I always thought that she had vascular dementia and I didn't worry about it because I didn't have any of the midlife problems she had. I didn't have hypertension. I didn't have diabetes. Slightly overweight, but not morbidly obese. When I put her in a research study, they did the brain imaging and we saw the microinfarcts that go along with mild strokes. But we also saw that she had evidence of Alzheimer's. She had a shrunken hippocampus. And when they did the cerebrospinal fluid assay, they found out that my mother's cerebrospinal fluid contained the precursor proteins that are consistent with Alzheimer's disease. So my mother, who has advanced dementia, has a mixed dementia, which is both vascular and Alzheimer's. Which one came first? I don't know. But the important piece for me is that some of her dementia may be related to her high blood pressure and her diabetes, none of which I have, so that's a good thing. So if I don't have those things, maybe whatever turns on the Alzheimer's cascade is not something that will occur to me. So my personal objective is to not gain so much weight that I develop high blood pressure and diabetes because if these things turn on the gene that turns on the Alzheimer's cascade, and I get Alzheimer's, I don't want that. It sounds like we have the same story. And it's funny that we've known each other so long and we really never had that personal discussion because my father had high blood pressure and diabetes. And thankfully, I don't have either of those just like you. And so I just have to continue to try to keep my health up and keep my weight down so that I won't um, have high blood pressure and diabetes, so to try to preserve my health and my mind. Exactly. And one of the things that is happening in research is there are investigators who are studying the connection between high blood pressure and cholesterol or those cardiovascular risk factors and Alzheimer's. There is some thought, as I said, that that combination of illness may turn on the switch that begins the Alzheimer's cascade. So genes turn on and turn off. There are genes that predispose you toward Alzheimer's. There are genes that predispose you toward certain types of cancer. And there are systems in the body that 
flip the switch that activate those genes to elicit to turn on the process that contributes to the ultimate disease. I don't know what that research is yet. It's not been completed. We don't have an answer. So to summarize, as you said, I need to make sure I don't get high blood pressure. I need to make sure I don't get obese. I need to make sure that I don't develop diabetes. Perfect. That's a perfect way to end. Uh, thank you, Dr. Monica. I think we gave out some great information today. So those of us who have loved ones with dementia and Alzheimer's, um, take care of yourself and hopefully um, you will stay well. Thank you, Dr. Monica. Thank you, Denise. See you next time.